That's cool. Way to finish the year strong. Well, we're going to wrap up our teaching series, Ever Wonder Why. Right on. This has been a great teaching series. And so uh, it's fitting that we are wrapping this uh, with our question today. We're wrapping up this series today. And so here's our big question. Why can't I stop? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that. I've asked myself that often sometimes. There's things that I do. I'm like, man, why do I keep eating Fruity Pebbles? Come on. I'm 40 years old. Like, dude, quit acting like a kid. But I don't know. That's me. Maybe that's not you. But, but if you've ever asked yourself that question, it's fitting that we're answering that question today. And so if it was, I mean, there's some good counseling tips out there, but this sermon could really be done in three points, really simple, and it could be really short. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop, right? If you ask yourself that question, you could be like, man, why can't I stop? Just stop. Come on, just stop. But if we were only, if it was only that simple, right? It's not that simple. It's super complicated. And, and so today we're going to answer that question, why can't I stop? And research says that one third of everyone who's listening to my voice are wanting to stop doing something and start doing something right? A New Year's resolution. Maybe some of you have those. Maybe you set those things. You're like, man, I have a bad habit. Maybe you realize, man, I have, a, I have some sin in my life. I want to stop. I don't want to take it into the new year with me. And so at all of our campuses, I want you to just turn to your neighbor and go, is it you? Are you trying to stop something? Are you trying to start something? Turn to your neighbor real quick. Come on. All of our campuses. Are you trying to start something? Are you trying to start something? Some of you are going yes. Some of you are going no. I, the research shows the older you get, you're like, you're going to get what you get. So... Some of you, that's where you're at. Some of you are like, no, I need to make some changes. And so if you've ever asked the question like I have, like I said, there's multiple factors that I believe that are working against us that are making it difficult for us to make a change or to stop doing what we want to do. And we we sometimes get into a rut with a lifestyle. And so today I want to give you some factors. I want to give you some examples of things that try to keep us um, from making, from stopping and making the change. And so I think the very first thing for many of us, I think it's very much, it's practical. For some of us, there's, it's just practical. If you were to come to me and say, hey, Nate, um, I'm struggle with just, struggling with just eating too much junk food, I would say, hey, can I come over to your house? And you'd be like, no, you can't come over to my house. But some of you'd be like, oh, yeah, Nate, we're friends. Yeah, come on over to my house. And wh- where would be the first place that I would go? I would go to your refrigerator or I'd go to your pantry. And I would open it up and I would look at it and I'd go, well, look at all the junk food. There's, there's, there's a reason why you can't stop eating junk food. It's a very practical. It, there's just, you have all this junk food around. Or some of you might come to me and you would say, hey, Nate, man, I'm, I really want to be a morning person. I want to be able to get up and do my devotions. Or uh, I'm finding myself showing up late to work or I'm, I'm late to class. And I would say, well, what did you do? do the night before. And some of you would say, well, I binge watch Netflix till two or three o'clock in the morning. And I go, it's very practical. It's a practical reason. Like you need to go to bed sooner and go to bed early so that you can get up and be a morning party, right? Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? So some of these things are very practical. The other things, the other thing would be maybe it's a physical reason. What you might be biological or there's genetics. Some of us are stronger in, in areas than others of us. And sometimes it was what, this is what I would call um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You, you have some things going on inside of you. You have uh, bad neural pathways. You have a chemical imbalance. And, and if you were to look into your family tree and you would look into your lineage, you'd go, oh, well, Aunt Susie, Uncle Tom, oh, they've kind of dealt with this. Me too. I, I'm kind of wrestling and struggling with this. And this might be something where if, you're, if that's where you're noticing where you're at, this is my, my recommendation to you would be like, go to a doctor and get a physical taken and see what they can do to begin to help and find, go find a counselor. But th- there are, so there's practical reasons, there's physical reasons. 
What about emotional reasons? I think there's sometimes there's emotional reasons why that we can't we can't stop doing things. Some of us we came from very traumatic backgrounds. You had awesome families, maybe you didn't have awesome families, but you've got some baggage that you're carrying around, and that baggage is, that you're carrying around is causing you to um, cope in unhealthy ways. And so you're trying to, to process and work through some of these emotional wounds that you have, and if you, don't, if you don't wrestle with those, and if you don't walk through it, and some of you just want to avoid it and go, I'll just leave it there, I've, I've, I've lived this long without it, I'm not going to worry about it, but you can't stop because you do have some emotional wounds, and you don't know how to cope with those wounds, and you need to process and work through them. So you've got what? You've got practical, you've got physical, emotional. It's the last thing is what you call relational. Some of us, we have relational issues. We have things in our life that we can't change because of the, the environment that we're around. It's really hard to be positive when you're around negative people all the time, right? And so some of us, we need to change our community. We need to change our environment. We need to get into a life group. We need to find some more positive people. We need to find people that think differently than the way that we're currently thinking and go, man, I need to make a change there. So there's practical, physical, emotional, relational, and then I really believe at the heart of the matter, okay, I'm not talking about the mind, I'm talking about the heart of the matter, I really believe at the heart of the matter is that, that almost everybody is going through a spiritual challenge. I think many of us, and, and some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't know about that, like, you didn't hear me say that everything mental health just needs to be handled by faith. That's not what you heard me say. But I'm talking to the majority of people today that maybe don't necessarily have a mental health disorder, but just are living life and they've got things. And sometimes we need to recognize what we're going through is actually a spiritual battle. Because what's happening is, is oftentimes many people, whether they're a Christian or they're not a Christian, they're trying to meet a spiritual need with something besides God. They're trying to fill a void, an emptiness, a longing, a desire. They're looking for something in the natural to fill only what God can do spiritually. And so oftentimes we can't change this because we don't recognize it necessarily as a spiritual battle. And what happens is, is we fill our lives with things that become destructive in our lifestyles. And so today, why can't I stop? Chances are you haven't identified the root of why you're doing what you're doing. I would challenge you, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I staying up late? Why am I stress eating? Whatever it might be, what is it that you're doing what is the root of why you're doing it? And first, I would ask you to recognize what challenge that you're facing, and is there a spiritual element to it? Is there a spiritual element to what you're facing where it's like, man, I just really need to trust the Lord? Here's the thing. I'm a holistic type of guy. I'm very holistic. Like, I want to be balanced. I want to live in balance. So I don't want to over-spiritualize things. But this is what I know about myself. I am created in the image of God. You're created in the image of God. And what does that mean? That we are spiritual beings. So I can't just go looking for everything that's happening to me in the natural. I can't just go, oh, wow, I got to find something naturally to fix this. Because really what could be going on is God's going, hey, Nate, that's something that the natural can't fix, only the supernatural. Amen? And so we have to lean into that and go, man, God, is what I'm facing, is what I'm wrestling with actually a spiritual battle? Paul talked about this in Romans 7, verse 15. He says, I don't understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Can anybody just go, that's me? You don't have to raise your hands. Some of you are like, yeah, I want to, but yeah. I mean, doesn't that just define us? I don't understand what I do. I don't understand myself. Paul's going, I just don't get it, God. I mean, the, for what I want to do, I want to love you. That's what he's saying. He's like, God, I want to serve you. I want to honor you. But what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. 
And so he finds, he recognizes, oh, there is a flesh and there is a spirit inside of him. And there's this wrestling, this battle that's going on inside of him. There's this wrestling for what he wants to do is please God, but he's not doing it. So the best way that I can describe your flesh, my flesh, is this way. The flesh is this. It's the I that wants to satisfy you with anything but God's grace and mercy. It's the I inside of you that wants to satisfy you with anything but God's grace and mercy. The flesh says this, God's not enough. And then it goes on to say is this, I want now what feels good. And why does it say this? It says this, your flesh doesn't care about eternity. Why is your flesh saying, like, I want what's good now? Because your flesh doesn't care about eternity because it's not going to heaven with you. Your flesh, I mean, it's, mine is starting to sag and drag. I don't know about you. It's starting to have some aches and some pains. And, and, and it screams all the time. My, my flesh screams. Here, here's how it screamed this week. My wife, I said, babe, can you make me a cup of coffee? And my wife wants me to live a long time. And I appreciate that. She doesn't want my body to sag and drag. So what did she do? She didn't tell me. Instead of taking the normal, good, sh- full of sugar, caramel flavoring and putting it in my coffee, what does she do? She puts keto caramel flavoring in my coffee. That has the worst aftertaste ever. It was terrible. And my flesh is going, babe, what are you doing? This is the worst cup of coffee ever. What are you doing? She says, well, I just love you. And I know you don't need to eat sugar. And I'm like, I get it, but come on, this is terrible. I just wanted to spew it out of my mouth. That's how my flesh screams. How does your flesh scream? I don't know. But I know that my flesh wants what's now what feels good. And I have to tell my flesh, shut up and sit down, because it wasn't very kind the way that I responded. Your wife, my wife said, well, you could have said something a little, you could have said it nicer. <laughs> tact and tone, tact and tone. Yes, I get it. I know I need to work on that. Give myself some marriage advice. Your spirit, on the other hand, says what? God is what I want most, and heaven is my home. That's the wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. Your flesh wants what's now, because why? It doesn't care about eternity. It's not going to heaven with you. But your spirit goes, man, I, I want God. I want to spend eternity with him. Heaven is my home. So you've got to learn to recognize. You've got to slow down and recognize and look at yourself and go, man, what am I dealing with? Is there really a spiritual battle going on? Is there, what is this wrestling going on? Well, here's, Paul used a strong word, hate. Now, my mom told me never to use the word hate. She was a good mom. She's like, we don't say hate in our household. I got it. But mom, the Bible says it right here, so we're going to use it. And so she's at the, she's at the North Black campus today. And so Paul used a strong word, hate. He uses a strong word, hate, describing godless living and sinful pleasures. So here's a question. What is the thing that you hate, but you do? What is the thing that you hate, but you find yourself doing, and you're like, man, I want to stop that. I want to stop that. So why can't I stop? Here's one of the reasons why many people can't stop, is they're focusing on their willpower and forgetting the power of God's grace. Too many times we're focused on our willpower and they're like, I got to get this done. There's so many self-help books out there, so many podcasts out about how you can fix and how you can change and do all this stuff, but we're focusing on our willpower and forgetting the power of grace. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. It said, God saved you by his grace when you believe by faith. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so, no, so none of us can boast about it. So we're saved by God's grace. We're saved by God's grace. We're loved because of his 
grace. All of these things are all because of God's grace. We're made right with God by his grace, not based on our own doing or our best attempts or how many failed attempts that we've had. We're saved by God's grace. Our sins are forgiven by God's grace. It's all because of God's grace. Salvation is available to anyone and everyone, no matter what you've done, whether you've thought it or you said it. It doesn't matter what you've done. We're all saved and salvation is available to us by God's grace. So what is grace? Grace means unmerited favor of God. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. You didn't do anything for it. I didn't do anything for it. But God graciously gives it to everyone who will believe and have the faith to trust. Here's the cool thing. God isn't waiting for you to make yourself holy. God isn't waiting for you to make yourself holy because he, had, he sent his son Jesus. Because without him, you can't be holy. Man, we, we got to wrestle with that. So many times as Christians, what happens is, is we, we find out, man, I'm saved by God's grace. He loves me. He forgives me. Salvation's available to me. And guess what? We turn into these, these Christians that get this face of like, man, I got to just do it on my own. Or, you know, we got to check off all the boxes. And it's like, oh, I got I to gotta do this out. It's a spiritual duty. And it becomes a duty, not a devotion to God. And like, we're just like, oh, I don't know if you get this. You get the eye of the tiger. You know what I'm saying? I got the eye of the tiger. Yeah, come on. That's Katy Perry genre, or it's like this. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I don't know which genre of eye of the tiger that you come from, new age or old age, but sometimes as Christians, we just get to the eye of the tiger, and we lose the joy. I don't know about you. You ever met those people? Sometimes we just lose the joy of like, it's, I got to grit it out. And we try to grit it out instead of leaning into God's grace. And so I don't know about you, but this happens to me. When it's all on Nate and his willpower, and when my willpower is not enough, where do I fall? Where do you fall? I describe it as this way. You, when, you can't, when your willpower is enough, you fall into the pit of shame. You fall into this shame pit. And I don't know about you, but what happens to me in the shame pit two voices come alive very loudly. And they almost like the voices begin to clash together as one. So you have the voice of the enemy, and then I have the voice of the inner critic of Nate. And when I fail, when I fall, and I hear, and you thought you could change. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you. You can't make the change. Man, you, you shouldn't even go to church. If the people knew how you just responded and how you act, man, they would never follow you. They wouldn't want to follow Jesus. You're not a good leader. I don't know about you, anybody else like that. But we get into this, we fall into this shame pit, and we hear this, this voice of the inner critic or the enemy, and it all becomes blurred together as one, and we're like, man, I'm not good enough. And when I was an immature Christian, I used to think this way, well, I'll just keep on sinning. God's already mad at me anyway. And so we find ourselves falling into this pit of shame. And when, when you fall into the toxic shame pit, it's like there's a sense that you're not lovable. That shame says, man, that God can't love you. That God won't forgive you. God can't forgive you. Man, you've done this for how many? 454 times you've asked God for forgiveness. And man, you just, God cannot forgive you. God won't forgive you. So how do you break the toxic shame? How do you get out of the shame pit? You must get your eyes off of yourself and onto Jesus. Too many times we're looking at ourselves going, woe is me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Wow, but you've got to get your eyes off of yourself and onto Jesus. You can't make yourself holy. Only Jesus can. We need him to help us to make 
to make ourselves holy. So the quicker you repent and lean into Jesus and the open arms of Jesus, the sooner you'll experience his grace and his forgiveness. So here's what I've learned about this. It's not if you fall. Some of you are just focused on, some of us are just focused on, I can't fall, I can't fall, I can't sin, I can't fall short. It's not about if you fall, but it's about how fast you get up after you fall. That was the transition change for me. That was the change for me because I would live in this shame pit. It was almost like I I wouldn't even want to show up to church. And some of you, you feel that way. You're like, I can't go to church. Maybe that's a reason why you're, you're watching from home. You're like, man, I can't even go to church because I've fallen. And so you're living into this shame and you're not living in God's grace and that he loves you. And so you're like distancing yourself. And then after you feel like, man, maybe I get some wins under my belt and I feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do. Okay, cool. Now I can return back to church. And so we get into this place of this shame. And so we've got to not worry about when you fall, but how fast you get back up. Yes, you should have godly sorrow. You should repent and ask God to forgive you. Absolutely. But don't get stuck in the shame pit. You've got to narrow that. You've got to narrow it. So another reason why you can't stop is because you will yourself to fake it versus faith it. Oh, man. Some of us, we, we like to fake it. You've, you've heard it said, you know, fake it till you make it. But sometimes we like to do that. We, we like to fake it with our relationship with the Lord. Faking it is an outward behavior. It's like you got caught by somebody, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I've got to change my behavior. So I'm faking it to show you that, hey, I've changed. You can love me again. You can, you can trust me again. I, I'm just showing you my outward, my outward behaviors because I've been caught, and now I, I'm, I'm changing but I'm not really changing, and that faking it is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Faithing it is an interchange of the heart through God's grace. It's what the work of the Spirit of God is doing inside of us as we pursue God with all of our hearts. So something begins to, to change on the inside. Faking it says, man, look at me. I'm boasting that I've changed. Faith it says, I'm in the process of changing. I don't know about you, but if you're an older person, have you, did you ever arrive? No. Have you arrived yet? No. Not till you cross the pearly gates into heaven have you arrived. Come on, somebody. Right? And so we are in the process of being changed, and we can only be in the process of being changed by God's grace. And so if you just continue to just change your behaviors, you don't have long-lasting change, but only true change can come by the grace of God in our life as he begins to change our heart and our mind, as we begin to renew our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus each and every day. Faking it says this, Serve God, serving God is out of duty because it pleases my wife or my kids. Or maybe it's, you're, you're faking it and you're just trying to do it because you're trying to please your girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm like, I really want her to like me, so I'm going to go to church. Or I really want him to like me, so I'm going to go to church. And I, I'm so glad that your hind end is in our church and in our seats. I, I, I'm really, I'm grateful for that. But I, I just got to tell you, I love you too much. At the end of the day, God's not, Jesus isn't going to return and go, well, I'm so glad that you spent a lot of time and your hind end was in the seats of new life. He's going to say, hey, did you, did you put your faith and your trust in me? Were you faking it or were you faithing it? And here's the cool thing about, about that. Some of you are like, I, I need more answers. I got a lot of questions. I love that. Find a pastor. Find a, you can come talk to me. Whatever, it want, whatever you want to do, find a pastor at your campus or online campus pastor, Robert, and talk to him. But what you need to do is you have to understand that Jesus talked about the faith of a mustard seed. 
I don't know if you've Googled recently how big a mustard seed is. It's not very big. It's very little. So Jesus is asking you to have just the faith the size of a mustard seed. Just a little bit of faith going, God, okay, I don't have all the answers. I haven't figured this all out. I don't understand it all. But, but Jesus, I am going to trust you. I'm not going to fake it, but I'm going to faith it. Faithing it is serving out of devotion. I get to. I don't have to. I, I get to. I, I want to serve the Lord. It's a desire of my heart. Faithing it sounds like this. This body, God, that you've given me is described in the Bible as the, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so God, however I use it, I want it to be out of devotion to you. That's what it looks like to faith it. Like, God, this is my body. It's, it's what you've given me. I know that it's fading away, but God, I want it to be used for you and for your glory. Fake it says, try harder. Faith it says, trust more. Are you trying harder? Or do you want to learn how to trust more? There's a shift that needs to take place. So how do you stop? So why can't I stop? I've given you a few reasons. So how do I stop? First, you've got to accept. This is straight out of good old therapy, right? Accept. You've got to accept. What can you accept? I can accept God's grace. That God loves you. That God has unmerited favor and grace. And he loves you. And he will always love you. Now, most of you have kids, right? Most of you have kids. I do not have kids. I have dogs. I like dogs because you can put them in cages. <laughs> it's highly frowned upon that you put your children in cages. So, when my dogs do something dumb and they go off the rail, do I get upset? A little bit. Do I, am I hurt by it? Yes, because it really hurts my pride because they're just an image of me. Why can't your dog stay in the yard? Blah, 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 blah. It's just a really, it's a, it's a direct hit on my pride. But guess what? I've never stopped loving them. And it's the same way with your kids. When they do something wrong, do you get upset? Yes. Does it hurt you? Yes. But do you ever stop loving them? No. You don't. And that's the way God's love is for us. Yes, we hurt his heart. Yes, we break it. But he never stops loving us. He loves us unconditional. And it's from that point of spiritual security and spiritual strength that you can be honest. You can be honest with yourself. You can be honest with God. You can be honest with others. So you've got to begin to lean in to accept God's grace and go, man, mm, I'm not where I want to be. The Apostle Paul, he, he totally got this. He was praying and asking God. He was saying, God, would you take this struggle away from me? He asked three times, and God responded all three times and said this to him. And so I'm thankful that the Lord responded this way. He said, each time, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast, Paul said about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul got it. He didn't respond and go, oh, I get it now. Like, when I'm strong, I'm strong. But he said, no, when I'm strong. Or I'm the strongest when I, when, I, when I accept that I'm the weakest, and it's the power of Christ in me that begins to transform and change me from the inside out. So I'm not strong when I'm strong, but when I'm, I'm the strongest when I recognize and I accept that I'm the weakest. So again, Paul's not saying I'm going to try harder, but I'm going to trust more. So how do you stop? You have to accept that you're not okay. I think a lot of us, we, we have to carry ourselves around for whatever reason that we've got it all together. And you've got to learn to accept that, man, I'm not okay. I'm not good. 
Nothing inside of me is good. Apart from God's grace, nothing good comes out of Nate, just to be honest. Apart from God's grace, nothing good is going to come out of me. And so I'm not good. Only God is good. So you're only as strong as you are honest. How honest do you want to be? How honest do you want to be with yourself? What you need to do is you need to begin to take what's in the dark, the struggle, the thing that you hate, take what's in the dark and bring it into the light because this is what happens. Whatever you keep in the dark doesn't get healed. Whatever you're holding on and you're trying to keep everybody from seeing, and the reality is is other people see it most often, and so whatever you keep in the dark doesn't get healed. Where does sin grow the best? In the dark. Sin grows best in the dark, so you've got to humble yourselves and bring it into the light, except that you're on, you aren't okay. So how do you know if you have a problem? Great question, right? If more than one people have told you you have a problem, you probably have a problem. <laughs> if more than one person has said, man, I think you have a problem, you probably have a problem. Here's the other thing. If you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when I said, what is the thing that you hate and you immediately said something in your mind, that's the power of the Holy Spirit going, hey, ma'am, sir, that's the thing. So respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have something that you're hiding? Do you have shame in your life? Man, if you have those things, you have those components in your life, then you probably have a problem. So how do you stop? How do you stop doing what you don't want to do? You need to commit to asking for help. You got to commit to asking for help. So whatever it is that you're doing, if you're stress eating, if you're binge watching Netflix till two or three in the morning, if you're scroll- scrolling through social media and everything you're looking at is only making you more depressed, if you've asked yourself, why can't I stop looking at lustful images? I just want to stop. If you're overspending, whatever it is, may I say that the root of the issue, the root of the problem is probably a spiritual thing. It's probably spiritual because deep down inside, you really aren't trusting God or you're fearing the loss of control. Some of us, we get into these coping skills or we get into substances and we're like, oh man, it makes me feel good. But then once it fades away, you're like, oh, I'm back to where I'm at. I'm back to square one. And so we've got to learn to go, man, God, I can trust you. You know what you've done always and you're hoping for some, a different result. That's called insanity. And so you've just got to come to a place and go, God, I need your help. I need your grace in my life. I can't continue to do what I'm doing. Yes, you're going to lose control because you have to give, it, give God the control. So maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel depressed, left out. You feel empty on the inside. You feel overwhelmed with anxiety or frustrated or you're angry today. It saddens me that you feel that way. It doesn't feel good to feel that way. But I do know this, that Jesus gets us. In Hebrews 4, verses 15 through 16, this is what it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus gets you. Maybe you're not where you want to be. 2023 wasn't great. And you're just praying, dear Lord Jesus, please let 24 be different. But however you feel today, do you want to take it with you into 2024? 
Do you want to do what you've always done? Or do you want to make a shift? You can make a shift. Maybe there's some things in your family and you're like, man, this thing has been going on for generations and generations. You can be the generation that breaks it. It might take some work, some humility, going and asking for help from a counselor or a pastor or a, a life group leader or a friend. I don't know what it's going to take, but first and foremost, it might just say, Jesus, I need you first and foremost. So a couple months ago, I really wasn't doing very good. And some people even noticed. They're like, Nate, are you doing okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. You're right? You do that? Put the face on. But I wasn't really doing very good. And uh, I said some things, and then some people responded back to me, and they were upset with me, and it just really hit me. I had a lot of anxiety. There were nights where I was waking up at 3.30 in the morning, just my heart's pounding, I'm breathing heavy, and I'm just anxious. And I remember one moment where I was laying in bed, and I finally just said, God, I'm not good. God, I'm not good. I can't carry this. I can't do this. I'm not good. But what came out of my mouth next was, God, but you're only good. You're the only one that's good. And I remember just turning on my phone at 3.30 in the morning and just put on a worship tune. And I just laid the phone on my chest, and I remember falling asleep like this. God, come and fill me. Take this. Fill this void. This desire for perfection, that i got to be perfect, that I can't make mistakes. God, just take it. And it was in that season, God just began to do something inside of my heart and took away the anxious thoughts. And I was able to go, okay, I, 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 maybe I made a mistake. It's okay. God still loves me. His grace is enough. His unmerited favor. I'm not trying to earn it. I'm not trying to work for it. But I just had to be completely honest with the Lord. Completely honest with the Lord. So today, will you be honest with the Lord? Will you accept that you're not okay, that you need Jesus to help you, that you might need others in your life? Here's what I know, that the enemy would love for you to be at the same place that you are. Maybe right now. Some of you are not in a good place. The enemy would love for you to be at the same place next year, right here. Frustrated, overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, sad, angry, whatever it might be. And you need to recognize this. The enemy isn't attacking you because you're weak. It's because you're valuable. The enemy sees you as valuable. So I don't, this spiritual wrestling that's going on is because you're valuable. But I believe this, the place God wants to take you in 2024 requires more of his grace in your life to stop bad habits, to stop sin and old habits. And you're going to need his grace in your life to start new habits, new, a new mindset, and a stronger prayer life. God wants to do something in you and through you in 2024, but it's going to need, you're going to need more of his grace, not your willpower in your life. So today, will you lean into the Lord as we, begin to, as we are about to go into worship at all of our campuses? Will you lean into the Lord and just bring your stuff before him? So we'll, we'll all of you stand if you're able today. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to respond to the Lord.
Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. God, help us to uh, identify where we're at. What's the next step? Our next step today can be just leaning into you and saying, Jesus, I'm not okay. I need you. Come and fill this void. For some of us, when we leave, we need to get on a website or we need to make a phone call. We need to send a text just to begin to share with somebody going, hey, I need some help in this area. Can you just listen? Can you be there for me? Give me some wisdom. Jesus, we need you. We know that you're the only one who can change us. And Lord, we're not looking for behavior modifications. Lord, we're looking for a heart transformation, a heart transplant. So Lord Jesus, would you change our hearts? Change our minds in Jesus' name. Bring healing to those that need a physical, emotional, and a spiritual touch. In Jesus' name, we love you. And all God's people said, amen.